everybody. Welcome to this episode of Tales from the Doghouse Separation Anxiety Explained. I am Stacy Bell in the U.S. and with me today is... It's Ness Jones here. Stacy, what company is, are you from? Oh, Focused Fun. <laughs> we usually say that at the end too. I don't know if people get sick of hearing about that. Oh, I never get sick of that. I'm Ness Jones. I am from Australia and I'm also from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoders. And also we have... We have... Me! 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 Sarah McLaren from Separation Anxiety Solutions in the UK. And guess what we've got today? What? Today we have a special guest. We have the wonderful Jane Sigsworth from janesigsworth.com. Um, so I'm going to let Jane introduce herself because if I try and introduce her, I'll probably miss out loads of stuff and make her sound like an idiot. So I'm going to pass it over to Jane. We'd actually physically, physically people here with me. We are in the same room on the same <laughs> microphone. So are you ready? Hello, my name is Jane from janesickworth.com and I am a dog dog social skills specialist. So I deal with all things social skills, play, and interactions between dogs. Lovely. And what was Ernie, that? <laughs> Ernie, he's just letting everybody know that he's here on holiday as well. Oh, nice. Well, it was like an exclamation point at the end of Jane's introduction. Like, yay, yay, Jane. <laughs> Jane, how did you um, come to specialize in uh, social skills? Uh, I decided to specialise because it's just an area of dog behaviour that I absolutely love. I love working with clients who have social skills or struggling with their dog's social skills um, and who are lacking in confidence in allowing their dogs to have contact with other dogs. Um, and I love working with the dogs. I love dog play. I love I mean, I'm, I guess we all love watching dogs like people like people watching, but I love watching dogs interact socially. The way that, that, that Jane works with, with dog and dog and, and, and the way that the that pet guardians just get a little bit discombobulated, don't they, with, with dog on dog interactions. And if a dog growls, everybody thinks that there's like, oh my God, no, they're aggressive. We need to stop them playing with other dogs. Um, so Jane, when, when you work with, dogs like this you you you've got a lovely website don't you that you can send people to that they can have a look at that they can you've got some videos on there I do believe that they can see dog dog interactions and what they look like I yes um that in the on the website um I have uh, my play videos which just the first one the first part just takes guardians through um what play looks like what are the aspects of play that they should be looking for um, looking for because some interactions between dogs can be really noisy and robust and guardians get really concerned whether the dogs are actually playing um, so 
I have a short video that takes people through the aspects of play, what to look for, to know whether the dogs are playing. And then the second part um, takes them through how to do a consent test. So if they're not sure if any of the dogs are actually comfortable with the style of play or, or the interaction at all, they can conduct a consent test. Um, and then the dogs will tell them, the dogs will tell them whether mm -hmm. they're comfortable with it. So yeah, I have those videos on my website and on my YouTube channel. And I also run a Facebook, Facebook support group so people can join that um, if they've got some concerns, they can post videos of their dogs and ask questions. Oh, nice. Um, there's other resources on there as well. And, and a lot of the support group is just to show people that they're not the only people with those with those concerns and with those issues because you know what it's like when uh, guardians have concerns about their dog's behavior they feel really isolated and particularly if they've um, come into conflict with other guardians about their dog's behavior um, they can start to feel like they're the only person in the world that's suffering like that and it's comforting in some respects to know that there's other people out there that are also you know struggling or have overcome the struggles and can offer some advice from a non-professional's point of view in terms of just how they've dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Can I just back up a minute, Sarah? I just wanted to congratulate you on your use of the word discombobulated. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word, it's the best. So I just had to mark that one, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> um, Jane, I love those videos. I actually, if any of my clients have concerns with their dog and playing because as you know when a dog is struggling with being home alone a lot of times we're utilizing daycare or things like that to manage absences right and so when people do struggle with kind of reading their dog's body language in that context i always link to those two videos they are just fantastic so we'll make sure that we link them in the show notes because it's very eye-opening, and um, I think, were they Dalmatians in the video that are, they're a little more boisterous um, yes. in their play, and, um, you know, like, if, if you're just watching that, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like, eek, but then you start looking for all those play signals, and you're like, oh, okay, this is all, all good, so I think it's um, a really useful uh, tool for people to to actually watch videos and be able to start um, becoming skilled at picking out those different play signals and, and you know what's normal, what's their dog's play style, all of those things are um, really good to learn about your dog. As well as watching the um, dogs playing and watching robust play and becoming comfortable um, with the actions, I think one of the most important things is the sound because mm. when dogs are noisy, growly, barky players, that um, piques people's interest and they're you know they're drawn to looking at the, at the activity um, and then if they're also then watching robust play they leap to the conclusion that the dogs must be having a fight or arguing that there's a problem and that it's not necessarily so they could just be very robust players as well as being noisy growly barky players Seriously, I've had right. Rottweilers in the past, and when they play, you would assume, you, I dread to think what the neighbours thought because you would have thought they were ripping <laughs> each other's throats out, and they were having a great old time playing. But yeah, very, very noisy, growly, and yeah, <laughs> uh, but definitely playing. You know, you have to know what you're looking at. 
it's so important to understand our dog's body language. It is, yeah. And play is like seriously misunderstood. On um on the on the videos, there's the now is, is it the right thing? Is it an acronym? Is Mao's an acronym? Yes. Yes. There's a lovely acronym called uh, called <laughs> uh Mao's. So uh Jane's now gonna tell you what Mao's is because <laughs> I love Mao's, it's fabulous. Yeah, so it Mars, is. Mars stands for meta signals, activity shifts, role reversal, and self-handicapping. And they're the four aspects of play that you need to look out for. So meta signals is things like a bouncy gate, what we call a play face. So that kind of goofy looking face, it's very difficult to describe. You know it if you see it. So it's that's <laughs> one of the things that's really handy to see on the um to see on the video um so you you want the dogs both or all of the participants to be giving these meta signals um awful language i didn't make you know make it up it comes from um psychology so but it basically means uh communication that that is has a bigger meaning so it's a bit like telling a joke and then winking at somebody so you're um the dogs are basically communicating i'm about to body slam you but this is in play so they're giving these mm -hmm. letters uh activity shifts so you want to be looking for um the dogs changing their activities you don't want them to be stuck in one activity all the time so you don't want them particularly things like chasing you don't want one dog chasing another for for long periods of time i always say 30 seconds is probably a good time if the, if they haven't broken off themselves it's probably time to to do a recall or to intervene just to avoid things tipping over um role reversals you don't get perfect 50 50 but you do want the dogs to be sort of sharing the roles of predator and prey for example so if you've got one dog pinning the other um you want them sort of sort of changing roles um and the s stands for self-handicapping which basically means your the dogs are the dogs that are bigger and stronger are giving the older or smaller or weaker guys a bit of a chance so a, a bit like um a parent might uh, run a race with their kid and and kind of run on the spot and say oh you, you you're catching up with me oh you're beating me now you know you're you're just kind of um giving yourself a handicap to um to let the child win and so dogs dogs do that as well in in good place so they're the four aspects um and i i just refer to them as um mars i didn't make those activities up obviously that's that is dog play um but i made it made the acronym up to help people to remember what they are because when you're in the melee of an a, you know robust play sometimes it's difficult to remember you know what it is that you should be looking for because it, it can be very fast moving so yeah mars just helps you remember so i always say always look for mars when you're mm -hmm. observing dogs playing <clears throat> and interacting yeah and and just something that you said there about how it can be really fast moving is so true um and that's another reason i mean we're always talking about videotaping um our clients when when their dog is home alone but in this kind of case videoing dog play can be really useful because it allows you to have like kind of like 
you know, you're stepping back a bit emotionally and you can take the sound out and see, you mm. know, like, is the sound what's getting me? Is it yeah. the, you know, and kind of look at it piece by piece. You can slow it down if you need to. So um, I think that's a, a really good tool as well. If you're Absolutely. like kind of on the line. I've actually done that. I've like taken a video of my dogs playing and gone through it second by second and pinpointed every little piece of body language. It's really fascinating. Ah, yeah. Because when, when it's in real time and it's, you know, and it's fast and it's, it's too quick for you to kind of pick everything up. But when you actually go through it and it was like a minute and a half, which is not that long in real time, but when you break it down second by second, it's quite fascinating what you miss in real time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess, and as you say, Stacey, that is why um, with our clients, we need them to understand their dog's body language because they're, mm -hmm. while they send us video to review of their dog's home alone time, uh, which is so helpful for us. I, I, I'm sure you guys do too, but, you know, schooling our clients and understanding their dog's body language. Um, so they're watching it in real time and hopefully they're picking up on, on all those nuances. But, if you know, because they're also recording it, they can break it down into little, they could actually do that and slow it down and watch it piece by piece by piece. And I often, I'm sure you and um, Stacey and Sarah do this, um, go through those recordings with them later on mm -hmm. and say, hey, did you notice this, 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 this? It's fascinating. Yeah. It's really good as well when you get clients who've got a fabulous camera set up, which yes. is, you know, I mean, I know that obviously with, you know, we can we can only start them with what they've got. And if they've not got a wonderful setup, then, you you know, you go with what you've, what you've got at the minute. But when they get better at it and get some good setups, I mean, I have some guys whose cameras flip from camera to camera to camera every time the dog moves and you get every tiny little mm. new one's dog's eyes rolling the tiniest little flick of the ears everything they're just so good and you can just see so much and it just gives you so much information I had a client um or I've had a couple now that they'll and it's, it's usually for those dogs that go and they walk up to the door and they're door waiters and they just mm. wait by the door when the owner's out and they'll tape or at least they do initially in a training program hopefully eventually as they get more and more safe absences they don't hang out at the door but certainly initially a lot of them are door waiters and they they will tape either an iPad or an iPhone on the back of the door at the dog's height and you've got this, I don't know, bird's eye view is not the right word, is it? Dog's eye view of this <laughs> dog's face. So I've had a greyhound, so it was up higher and then I've had like a little fluffy, so it was down lower, but it was perfect, you know, and it was set up exactly so you could see exactly what's going on. We had a nice, a nice shot of a, co of a, oh, she's a cockapoo. Oh, they, cockapoo. they put their um, laptop on the floor in the kitchen because they've got this really weird setup and it's really difficult to get video of the dog. So they put the laptop on the floor just outside the kitchen and she came right up to it and she was licking the laptop the other day. And she managed to <laughs> that you couldn't anymore. <laughs> and then the owner was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. It's, oh, it's fine. It's just so funny. And you watch it back and you're like, God, this is so funny. So cute. Yeah, yeah. So even yeah. With, I mean, when I ask clients to to record their dog's interactions, um, it's, you know, it's difficult because it's fast moving and they, you know, you get a lot of the dog park or people's legs mm. and trees and all, the sky and all sorts of things. Um, but but it's the same for you guys, isn't it? When dogs have a, a sort of big area in the house to move around, then, you know, mm -hmm. 
guardians can set up the camera with the best of intentions, you know, and they get that they just see an empty bed, the, you know, the whole, yeah, the whole right. day. <laughs> I'm just thinking that um, Jane, you must spend a lot of time shouting, landscape, landscape. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I find myself trying to move the camera. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just something they're going like that with it, and they're turning it from side to side, and it's upside down and wrong way. And it's like, oh no, Help. yeah. <laughs> some That's footage funny. is great, you know, if you can get something, um, it, it's a real help. And and then, like you said, Stacey, turn the sound off and watch. I'm talking, you know, dog in, dog dog interactions. Turn the sound <laughs> off and, and watch it. It's the first thing I always do because, you know, I get distracted by sound as well. So I turn the sound off so I can just focus on what the dogs are doing. Um, and, and then you can, you know, play it again um, at full speed with the um, with the sound added. Um, and then you, you've already got a good grasp of what's going on with the dogs. So, Jane, do you work with um, most of the guardians, guardian dog teams? Um, via the internet or do you see most people in person or is it kind of a combo most people it's done online so um, okay I, I hold an initial consultation online and usually probably like yourselves there um, they go away to get some video footage and a little bit more information so that we can come up with a, a plan to help whatever the, the issue is um, it's usually, I would say the majority of my um, clients have got issues, their dogs have issues with other dogs outside of the home, but I do have some clients where um, it's into household dogs, so maybe they've added a new dog to the household and they're concerned about the interactions between those. Um, uh, quite a lot of um, those at the moment are puppies, so people have... Um, obtained puppies and bought puppies during lockdown um and those puppies are now starting to read you know they're, they're going through adolescence and reaching social maturity and um they're experiencing a few problems with their existing household dogs but historically most of my clients have um it's been problems outside of the home so with dogs that their dogs don't know um mm -hmm. and yeah, so most of that's done online. Um, I do, I do work some, uh, do some training for an organisation that uh, runs daycares um, and has these kind of um, indoor dog parks or private dog parks. Um, so you you become a member of of the dog park. Oh, cool. so you take your dog there. It's not a public facility. It's a it's privately owned. So um, I do have clients that I see there so they that maybe their dogs have been to daycare and are experiencing problems and so I might work with those or they'd like to take their dogs to the dog park um but they're concerned about their behavior around other dogs or they've um been taking them to the dog park and they and you know they they're, they're concerned that their dogs are not interacting in a in a in an acceptable way so but um, by far the majority of my clients, it's it's online and it works really well. Um, although it does probably, again, like yourselves, um, it does confuse people because they assume that I need to see their dog and and work right. with their dog, hands on with their dog. Um, 
but I but I don't you know as you know it, it's working with working with either the guardians um whether that's you know people that are working in the daycare or the dog park or um the, the guardians own dogs um so yeah online is the is the majority it comes in line with us don't it with the so well sort of the social thing the fact that we're getting dogs of around a year-ish I think that have got separation anxiety because they've been at home with the parents uh, pet parents for the last year uh, and then you've got all these people who are trying to take the dog suddenly to daycare because they want to go back to work and mm. they're finding lots of trouble with their dogs because they've been either seriously under socialized which is one of the things that we work on isn't mm. it or um, I think what I've, one of the things I've heard Jane talk about as well is the fact that there's also a concern for a lot of the breeding practices that are out there at the minute, isn't it? Mm, uh, yes. Puppy farms and backyard breeders and people who've been pumping puppies out to sell them over lockdown mm-hmm. uh, and just sort of like really poor breed practices, really, isn't they? and lots of illnesses and, and stuff that's passed on maternally and things. It's just a bit of a... I'm trying to think of another word other than, other than SHIT show. Yeah, it's <laughs> Is it... That's good. Uh, yeah, crapshoot. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a huge problem. And it's a problem uh, globally, but I'm based in um, South Wales and in the UK. Hang on, hang on, just let me, I just need to amend that. It's not South Wales, it's wet Welsh Wales, which is wet. <laughs> it's wet. Uh, every time I come on holiday. Anyway, now I've put that right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we are the the puppy mill capital of the UK down here. Um, you know, it's mm. it's sad fact that there are a lot of puppy mills and that poor breeding um, that has just gone through the roof um, during lockdown when demand for puppies went through the roof. Um, and right. people are buying these puppies with absolutely no idea um, of how poorly bred they are and the problems that they're going to be facing, you know, very shortly yeah. down the line. And how they've been raised as well, you know, it, with the mother, like we don't, you know, there's that big question mark. You've got those, the good breeders that do good socialisation with the pups before they leave mum. And then you've got the ones that really don't do enough. So there's that, apart from the genetic thing and, the, you know, the actual breed lines and what they're breeding, it's how they're raised as well. Yeah, I mean, I wish we could really get that message out to people before they go and and buy the puppy. Um, I think a lot of quick decisions were made during lockdown. You know, oh, we're you know we're working mm. from home for the foreseeable future. Let's go and get a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it seems it seemed like a great idea, but that that dog's going to live for what you know twelve to fifteen years, and if it's got health problems, you know, phys- you know, physical and um, physical problems and emotional you know poorly socialized poorly mm-hmm. bred um you know it is just storing up lots of problems for the guardians right right so i'm thinking one of the things that our listeners would be super interested in hearing about from you is you know say they have a dog that is um i'm going to use quotes leash reactive or um, it is having trouble um, 
with dog to dog interactions in some way or another. Um, what does that process look like? Um, how much of a change can they expect? How long does it take? And I know all of these things are, you know, up to a lot of variables, but just kind of paint us a picture for, um, you know, some broad expectations that somebody might have if they were trying to work through some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing for uh, dogs on leash when, when, guardians contact me to say that their, their dogs are you know generally lunging and barking and and mm -hmm. going off when they see another dog um the first thing we need to find out is is the dog frustrated is it trying to get access to other dogs because it's actually quite social and and wants to access them or is it afraid and it's trying to tell the other dog to go away um right and you can't tell from looking at the dog, you know, people will send me footage and say, well, it's, it's clearly aggressive. It's clearly trying to, to, you know, send the other dog away, but not necessarily so because frustration can look just the same. Um, so mm -hmm. that would be for, for on leash problems, that would be the first thing that we'd have to um, pin down. And that's really via history taking. We want to know a lot of these dogs, um, you know, people will say, well, they're fine when they're off leash. It's just when they're on on the leash. And so generally mm -hmm. thinking we're dealing with a frustration problem. Um, fear. Um, you know, it's easy when it's easy to tell a fearful dog when they're um, they see another dog and they shoot behind the owner's legs and they're obviously trying to go, you know, move further away. Um, that's that's easy to tell but it's when it's when they're actually barking and lunging and sort of stretching at the end of the they've gone as far as they can on on the leash guardians find it really difficult to accept that that dog might be afraid you know the underlying right. cause is that they they do not want contact with that dog so it's a it, that's a, a vital first step um in terms of how long um it takes and the, and the and the process yeah it is a bit like saying how long is a piece of string um a lot of the early work i do is with the client um themselves because everybody sits somewhere along a continuum of how comfortable they are with uh, dog dog interactions and uh, i have i think i have quite a strong stomach for them you know like i i that's part of the reason why I chose to specialize in this area, um, that I, I don't get upset when dogs argue and, and have squabbles. But for some people, that is the end of the world and they just, you know, they cannot cope with it. And that's not a criticism, but we need to nail down with a client how comfortable they are with interactions because it's it's no good me saying, right, well, we need to get this dog on a long line and we're going to get some interactions. And, you know, if if really that is the worst thing in the world to them. So a lot of the early work is, is to find out where the client is and what their goals are um, and whether they actually match up because um, if, they're, if they haven't got the stomach for dogs having arguments and dogs are social animals and even the most sociable dog, you know, will probably object to the behavior of another dog at some point if they're going and having <laughs> enough contact with other dogs. So they need to feel comfortable that that's going to happen and to know 
what it looks like, what it sounds like, and and what they need to you know what they need to do in those circumstances. So, um, and then it's with the with the fear, it's a it's um, probably the longer process with a fearful dog um, because we've got to start at some kind of level where the where the dog is comfortable with the proximity of another dog and then just right. move very slowly at the dog's speed um, and with frustration it's about trying to get them contact with other dogs but appropriately we it's got to be consenting so mm -hmm. we want the dogs obviously consenting we want dogs that want contact with other dogs but we can't just go and let these dogs if they've been deprived of any social contact, we can't just go and let them off at the at the local park and inflict right. them on anybody else, you know, just anybody else's dog, um, because we don't want to be causing problems with them. And if, if that dog hasn't had a lot of social contact for a while, there could very well be fireworks. So it's that's a big a big stumbling block for a lot of clients that they you know we've got to find appropriate places and appropriate dogs for them to interact with and those dogs have to come with consenting owners as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so, i just want to interrupt <laughs> god bless her she's the most professional person on here because there's me uh, me with a poodle on my knee and ness with <laughs> a large malinois on her knee <laughs> she's just climbed on my lap and i'm like i'm totally getting squished by yeah. her Jane, talk to us about dogs that aren't fearful or frustrated, but just may not have social skills in place, right? So it might be that they're having a really good time, but all the dogs that they're interacting with are like, oh my gosh, would you just chill? Um, so talk to us about that. What does that process look like? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Some dogs just don't have great social skills and they love contact with other dogs and they're having an absolute ball. But the other dogs, um, you know, would rather kind of bail out and um, maybe go and find a more placid playmate. Um, and some of these dogs, they just they do not see the communication of the other dogs. They don't see that, that those signals at all. So they just keep on playing in their mind but obviously for play we want it to be um reciprocated so um with dogs that don't have good play skills we need to carefully monitor their um their proposed playmates again we can't just go and let these dogs off i mean if you if you've got somebody with a puppy at the park and then you go and unclip your dog that has very poor play skills we risk right you know harming psychologically harming the other dog because the, the puppy's just having a nice sniff around and wanting to have nice safe interactions and then somebody else's dog comes along and piles into it so um yeah again picking a, appropriate playmates and having a good recall i you know my clients will know i bang on about recall all the time but if you're going to go and let your dog off leash you've got to be able to have them on a reliable recall to, to call them out of play or to get them get them out of um, trouble if they you know if the play is starting to heat up so we want to be calling them out if it's um if it's a dog with poor place play skills sort of generally 
um, with, you know, with all dogs. And we would just want to be calling them out of play, giving them some time, something else to think about, some sits and, and downs, some kind of manners type behavior and and then letting them go back to the play as long as it's appropriate and the other dogs and all the usual caveats always apply that the you know everyone has to consent the other dogs guardians and the other dogs um some dogs are what we refer to as bullies so it's not a global thing it's not um every you know every dog that just gets it because they because they don't have good because the subject dog doesn't have good play skills but they just seem to take a dislike to particular dogs. And it can be that um, it's a particular size or breed of dog or color of dog. Um, but there's the guardians pick up that there is something about a, a characteristic of, of certain types of dogs that their dog seems to then pick on. Um, and with those dogs, we want to be, um, again, calling them out of the play we want a good recall on them or we go and fetch them and and we end their play that ends that session that's how we would deal with with those dogs so again it's down to a diagnosis thing have we got a, a global problem it, it's all dogs you know and they, they need some help with their play skills um or is it that they're just targeting particular dogs i actually have an online course called the reliable recall mm. Really? Is, that <laughs> huh? is that a self-paced course yeah. yeah i can link to it in the show notes if you have a reliable recall and i know that i'm preaching you know to the converted here but um if you have a reliable <laughs> recall it gives you so much more you know you and your dog so much more freedom um and it's mm -hmm. People think it's really difficult to chain, but it isn't. It's one of the easiest behaviors. The, the problem is people go from, from the kitchen or the yard to the right. park and they miss out all the steps in between. Um, but it's, you know, it's it is an easy, easy behavior and it just has so many benefits, you know, if you if you get a reliable recall on your dog. I'm gonna take a look at your course nest. <laughs> now I'm nervous. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean to, I mean to point people towards. <laughs> yeah, we've got um, we we met a, because um, those of you that know who we are know that uh, Ernie's a toy poodle, so he's um seven kilos. I don't know what's that in pounds for you American folk. Uh, it's about fourteen mm. pounds. No idea. Seven kilos. Oh, oh, you are heavy. Um, and we met a a young, short-haired uh, what a pointer. German wirehead pointer, which is like four times the size of Ernie, uh, that had that lovely um, propensity to bat him with its feet. Oh. Um, he's like sociable and loves everybody, but he did not love that. Uh, and at one point, I think he did actually growl at Mr. German wirehead pointer and tell him to sod off. Uh, and, you know, for some people, that's, that's enough for them to then end up with, you know, their dog on the lead permanently because they think suddenly they've got an aggressive dog because it got upset because some other dog stuck its foot on its head yeah. and it's <laughs> that we we can teach guardians that isn't it that this is not the end of the world this is normal and they don't have the ability to communicate like we do all they can do is go <laughs> that's about it really <laughs> well and, and it's 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 interesting that we have that expectation for dogs right because in our interactions as humans 
a lot of times we disagree or get fussy with one another or, you know, whatever. And we express that and, you know, we're still friends at the end of the day and, and most of the time. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. But then with dogs, it's like a sideways look and it's like, oh no, my dog's not friendly with other dogs. And it's like, you know, that that's unreasonable expectation really. Oh, totally. Yeah. And actually I was going to say when um, you're obviously enlightened and you, realized that um ernie had tried to communicate to the to the pointer several times about his behavior mm. and that growling came as a as a natural prog progression when the pointer wasn't heeding those warnings yeah but for a lot of people you know people contact me and it is for them the end of the world because their dog has growled they've never heard their dog growl and they suddenly hear their dog growl at another dog and now they're concerned that that they yeah, can't yeah. take their dog to the park yeah, and can't yeah. let them off leash anymore or the shouty ones i mean i met a, a, a guy in the park the other week with a, a teeny tiny very shouty dog but when we watched it play with ernie she was just she just basically mm -hmm. liked shouting um, this mm -hmm. was afraid that i would think that his dog was aggressive mm -hmm. and i was like no no it's fine she's just noisy yeah she was just yeah. like Um, Jane, I like how you take into account the comfort level of the guardian, because, you know, I think that can really change the dynamics of the situation a lot. And so coaching the guardian and, and trying to help them, you know, spot the behaviors, learn the body language, all of that is really important for them to be able to help their dog you know, um, so coaching them so that they can then turn around and, and set their dog up for success, I think is a really important piece of the puzzle that a lot of people um, maybe miss. Um, mm -hmm. But kudos for you for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And when they, when guardians learn more about dog-dog interactions, their comfort level quite often grows, you know, grows with that knowledge. So, Mm -hmm. it's not it's not static um right and but no, but also giving people permission to say you don't have to be comfortable with that you don't have to allow your dog might be having a great time but if you are really struggling with their robust play um or you know multi-dog groups they might be fine if their dog's just interacting with one other dog but suddenly when there's two or three other dogs and it's and the play starts to get very robust then they can start to get really twitchy so giving them permission to say you don't have just just because everybody else is going it's fine you know he's just you know my dog's just playing um if they're uncomfortable with it that it's okay to to take your dog and go and find you know a calmer a, a calmer playmate they don't have to feel bad about it um but Absolutely. then if they've got some video footage of that interaction to go and sit at home and watch it back without the sound and kind of see that their dog was fine or you know other dogs that they might have been concerned about were fine and they could you know they can pick pick apart all the aspects of the play um you know then the next time they'll feel more confident about it but certainly you know i i i don't think people should feel uncomfortable they shouldn't be pu pushed out of their comfort zone if they're really uncomfortable with robust and noisy play mm -hmm. so i guess i mean for us um, when we talk to our clients um, in regards to separation anxiety we encourage our clients to be um, 
experts in their own dogs, in their dogs, because, I mean, they've all got different, um, you know, nuances and body language, et cetera. Um, I imagine it's the same for you, that you, you're really schooling them and in understanding their particular dog. But I guess because you're also talking about dog interaction, they need to know dog body language in general so that they can read what the other dog's doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and they sometimes may need to intervene if they if their dog is having a great time, but they're not they're concerned that their dog's choice of the, the playmate is perhaps not having a good time. But the other guardian might be oblivious to it you know, because they, they can't hear anything or they're on their phone or they're, you know, and they just think the dogs are playing. So they, they may have to intervene to help the other dog's guardian, the other guardian's dogs out a bit mm. um, and just kind of say to people, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to check, you know, that your dog's still having, you know, still having fun there. Oh, look, he's chosen to, you know, to go off and do something else. Um, because people, a, a lot of people do not understand about consent tests and how to do them and how to let their dogs choose um you know who and who to interact with and when to interact and and you know and it, and it can vary like us you know some days we can be really sociable and another day we can just feel like you know spending time on our own quietly so yeah so when you do watch the videos on youtube don't just watch part one watch part two <laughs> because part two is where the consent testing is and consent testing if you are even the tiniest bit unsure about whether your dog's enjoying play with another dog once you understand consent testing and know how to do it with your dog it will change your dog's play life mm. forever it will open your eyes so much and it can make such a massive difference to you and to your dog for you to be able to know for a fact actually I know that my dog is enjoying it because every time I consent test them they go back into the play and they're clearly having a whale of a time so I know that I'm okay so yes watch video too yeah it sounds it sounds quite formal like you know the terminology consent test is it's no big deal it, you know it's just um it might be helpful just to kind of explain what a consent test is and it's just when you've got a dog that you may be concerned about whether they're having a good time. So on the video, there's a, a puppy who just liked being on the bottom. So, it, you know, he, as soon as he was interacting with another dog, he'd flop on his back and, you know, the other dog would be pinning him down in, in play, but we wanted to, uh, wanted to check and his guardians were really quite concerned that he was being, you know, bullied and picked on by other dogs all the time. So, and they would go and consent test. So they would go and get their dog from the interaction and let the, let that dog decide what he wants to do. And this puppy was, you know, 100% of the time, he was like, you know, what are you doing? I was having, you know, I was having a really good time <laughs> there and was running back into the play again, which then obviously gave the guardians confidence that their that their dog was okay with it because he'd been given the opportunity to vote with his paws and go and do something else or go and interact with another dog so it's it's not a big deal it sounds really formal you know calling it a test but it's just really to give you you know to, to let, let the dog decide whether they are comfortable with with the play and the interaction and and the, that playmate at that time yeah i love that my dog rowan is the same way his um best friend odie and he will play and Odie will like start running towards him and Rowan like 
throws himself like to where you can hear the thud on the ground, throws himself to the ground. So, you know, Odie can fake bite his face and, you know, do all the things that that dogs do. But it's just really funny because, um, you know, he's never on top. He's always on the bottom. Yeah. So and, and I think that's an important thing to to realize, too, is, you know, knowing your dog's play style. Um, definitely factors into how you're going to look at the Mars stuff as well and can really help you pick out appropriate play partners for your dog. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It comes back to what Ness was saying about, you know, dogs being individual and, and knowing them. Um, <clears throat> I had a client who their dog literally goaded with every essence of his body other dogs to chase him you know he just did everything he could and then when once they were chasing him he was so happy and he'd be you know running around but his guardians thought that he was being picked on you know they thought that he was always you know he's always <laughs> trying to get away from these other dogs and yeah you know if you just caught a snapshot of the play that's what you would think this dog was just constantly being chased by other dogs but when you watched, you know, when he watched all his interactions, he just did everything he possibly could, you know, apart from walk around with a big sign saying, please chase me. <laughs> and he didn't, you know, he did not want to chase other dogs. He just wanted to be, you know, chased himself. So, yeah, they, although we are looking for uh, role reversal in, in the play activities, like I say, it's, it's not always 100%, um, you know, perfect role reversal. And you get dogs with, you know particular likings for for certain aspects of play um mm -hmm. yeah no so know your dog but pairing that with consent testing gives you a pretty good idea of of mm -hmm. the full picture so i think it's um really important like sarah said to watch both videos yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and just to know that dogs are social animals and they will sometimes object to the behavior of another dog and they have to do that in a species specific way so they'll be you know throwing out body language which we might miss particularly if they're you know some distance away and then if that doesn't work then they're going to start trying with vocalizations like Sarah said you know with Ernie growling at the other dog um, and that's not a slippery slope to you know their dog you know becoming a fighter um, they're just communicating in that moment that they're not happy about something yeah Right. Because two minutes right. later, early body slamming the same dog. Mm. Yeah. I would have. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he did look for me. Yeah. He had his little coat on because it was cold. He had his little puffer jacket on because it was freezing. And he was this tiny little poodle body slamming this enormous German wire head pointer um, <laughs> that loved it, that, that quite clearly didn't care. But yeah, so they, they, yeah, it's not a slippery slope to aggression, aggression, aggression. <laughs> no. So. Yeah. Going from kind of, you know, obviously with, with our clients with their separation anxiety dogs, I mean, obviously they've, they're, they're working on a lot of things already and, and we are getting, I don't know about you two, but I'm getting more and more clients that have also got dogs that are having issues with other dogs outside. Uh, and it quite often presents as the first thing of, you know, they're lunging at other dogs or they're barking at other dogs. As a professional, what would your advice be to them? In, in, the, in the first instance when there's seeing that behaviour? Uh, I think I'm just thinking of, it doesn't get better on its own, does it? Oh, it, uh, it certainly, well, not, not usually. And, yeah. and the biggest problem is that as soon as 
as soon as people start experiencing that mm. they stop giving their dog social interactions and they start um you know walking them early in the morning late at night so they avoid seeing other dogs and all that happens is you're in a downward spiral then of the the dog having fewer and fewer opportunities to socially interact with mm. its own species and you know dogs like people they their social skills get rusty so we need to as far as possible keep their paws in the social waters um yeah. but if if the if the guardians are concerned then yes you know seek some professional help to you know don't just stop your dog from having mm. social interactions yeah. because that's it, it actually does just get worse because then when they do see if they're if they're frustrated and then they do see another dog mm. you know they they're gonna yeah. pop like a, a champagne yeah, yeah, yeah. cork coming out you know so yeah seek yeah. some professional help there you go and we've spoken about this before, haven't we, with the with the emotions of the owner and, you know, the emotions of the owner when getting upset when they see another dog and then their dog picking up on that or whatever that might look like. But the, the, the only problem with saying that out loud is for owners is they can't do anything about it anyway. You know, if they're tense mm. and worried about another dog coming their way, then the only thing, the best thing to do is just get out of, the, get out of Dodge, just walk away, find somewhere else to go and don't put yourself in that situation because you somehow you know you're not going to be able to calm yourself down if you're already worried that your dog's going to fall apart uh, and become aggressive with another dog it doesn't work that way does it yeah yeah and i and i guess it's i i think we've talked about this on another show but it it also right. for for clients who are struggling with um dogs who are having you know overreactions to other dogs um, can't be put into daycare, can't come with them maybe to the cafe or to the shops or whatever. And, you know, they have separation anxiety. That's like a really tough combo, right? Because it's um, sometimes hard to get a one-on-one -on -one sitter for your dog. So, mm. um, <clears throat> you know, so what's that noise? I heard a weird noise. My stomach just your... went funny. Is was it, it my stomach? Yes. I was just going to say it sounded like somebody's stomach growling, but it like well, came in loud and clear. I actually need to tell you something. So earlier I was drinking my cup of coffee and I had the last swig and there was something in it. <gasps> like a roach? And I had to swallow it because we're doing this Ooh. and I couldn't get up. And I'm like, what the heck was it that I just saw? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't want to say anything. Oh, but, but I don't know. I think it, it, I don't think it was a roach, but maybe a, a spider or something. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, and I'm sitting here going, oh, my God, what was it? <laughs> now, that is the height of professionalism. <laughs> yes. We, we're all very special <laughs> on this show. <laughs> so, wow, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit freaked out, but I'm, I'm dealing with it. <laughs> you did a fabulous job. I didn't even know you, you, you have like a. If, if anyone in this, the, on the, on here can play poker, it's got to be Ness. I mean, you must <laughs> yeah. be playing. Never mind dog training, go out poker playing. <laughs> I'm in last place when it comes to poker face, but. I mean, know. look. It was in my mouth and I'm like, what am I going to do? Go get up and spit it out while we're recording this or swallow it. I think that's what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, or screamed. I probably would have screamed and then spit it out. 
I'd have had a wet computer by now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh-uh. <clears throat> so apologies. Yes, that was my stomach. <clears throat> It was really well, loud. You know. That was the spider <laughs> going down. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a nursery rhyme about that? <laughs> uh oh. Well, yes. So we are sat in the holiday cottage that I also run, which is called Holiday with Your Dogs, which I set up for people to come with their dogs who for people that are concerned about the behavior of their dogs around other dogs, but also maybe dogs that don't like strangers. So although personally, I I specialize in dog-dog social issues, the holiday cottage, people come who, their their dogs might not be great with strangers either. So it might be a people-related issue. So we have 22 plus acres here where they can, it's all secure paddocks and woodland and people can come and stay in the holiday cottage and, let their dogs run around and have the freedom you know perhaps they can't normally do that because they're you know they're concerned about their dog's behavior around people as well as other dogs so yeah, I so love that mm. we'll put that in the show notes and it doesn't always rain honestly <laughs> <laughs> are you sure <laughs> you, you usually get quite good weather actually know, when you come they get quite good weather mm. I mean I've been very lucky we've been quite a few times but it is a beautiful place and for those people who, who you know who can't don't feel that they can let the dogs go anywhere or let them off lead it's it can be an absolute haven mm. and it's a beautiful mm. place because you know wet welsh wales it's wet not that wet. <laughs> <laughs> sounds lovely <laughs> fortunately dog walkers are uh, a hardy bunch yeah i mean you go people don't come on holiday with their dogs here for the weather they come you know for the <laughs> for the peace and quiet so they're going to walk their dogs anyway come rain or shine so but it's not that bad (laughs) it sounds lovely it's very lush and green put it that way (laughs) Mm, i love that (laughs) i love that Stacey Bell in the U.S. with Focused Fun. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Focused Fun Dogs, and my website is FocusedFun.net. And on Miss Jones, I'm from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded in Australia. Thank you again for listening. Thank you so much, Jane. It's been absolutely wonderful. So yes. much great information um, for our listeners. So thank you. Yes, yes, and we'll link to everything Jane in the show notes, so you guys can 
find her, whether it's for a holiday or um, assistance with your dog. Or to watch the awesome videos that we... Two parts. Uh Now, so, yes. We'll be back next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you.